we're back, and we've got some great stories with hound hunting. We were successful. We uh, killed four cats with clients in 10 days. No sleep, coffee, Red Bull. It's about the only thing that got us going. We didn't do any of these podcasts like we said we were going to during the hunts. We couldn't even hardly function with sleep. Uh, no one could even talk. It sounded like a bunch of drunk people trying to get messages across to each other. Everybody's laughing, but it was, it was rough. My dad's here. We'll go around the table. I skipped that part, and everybody can kind of introduce themselves. Who's here and who's back? Spotted Oak. Brock. Ben, ben Duff. Walker Witt. So Ben is Meshack and then old White Knife. I got a big old houndsman sitting next to me right here. Houndsman. Emphasis on the big. My father is in the house today. Jim Marshot. How about that belly? Does that help you get around the mountains? No problem as long as it's downhill. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a snowball. He gains momentum as he goes. Keeps you a little warmer in the mountains. So if I can break this down, some uh, how we hunt these lions is there's a group. We hunt almost all of our guides. They're here. They have their trucks. We have snowmobiles. We're running roads in the evenings before it gets dark, just making sure that we're not looking at tracks that are older than what we think they are. So we mark with a line in the snow, something of that nature. That way we can look back and be like, that track was made the night before. Then we get up at midnight, depending on how the snow's coming. Um, it's hard to look for tracks if it's snowing hard. You can't tell anything. So if the snow comes at an awkward time of the night, we usually wait till it's done, but you don't want beat anything. Uh, we had a lot of guys from not in our local area coming in here trying to fill their male tags because our snow conditions were so much better than most of the state. We were getting fresh snow every night. So it was making us get up and work very hard to find lion tracks. A lot of competition. Luckily, we hunt this country so much uh, with 13 weeks of elk and deer hunting. We know all the little spots to go run a snowmobile, hike in off of a road where lions have been crossing. And uh, we were very, very fortunate that when we needed to find a lion track, we found the right one. And we didn't run any lions that we had to turn loose. Uh, we killed our males. Quota was full. And we went to killing females. And we just shut that quota down yesterday. Um, pretty, pretty amazing time. Our dogs got their feet run off of them pretty bad. And we had to give them a bunch of breaks. So it makes it nice with us running multiple groups of hounds. We had Logan's hounds, my hounds, and my father's dogs. And when you add all of our better dogs in, we had a pretty lights-out pack. I mean... We didn't have any lions really get away from us. We've been bragging it up. Brock and Walker, this was their first with hound hunting. I mean, you guys got something you can say about it? I mean, before we dive into the hunts? I don't even know what to say. It, yeah, it's unexplainable. It was cool walking down in and hearing, like, the... The roar. Yeah. It's so easy to walk, isn't it, whenever... Yeah. <laughs> it could be the roughest country ever, and I'm telling you, when you can hear those dogs, yeah. you can go. Just floating. Adrenaline's you, flying heart pounding through yeah. your chest. We've been bragging it up. When hound season started, we can make stuff happen. Did we? Oh. Did we do that? We made it happen. I've witnessed it firsthand. Stuff does die out here. <laughs> <laughs> Brock can't get over the, the amount of death that happens in a hunting outfit. He just he can't get over that. That's all he says. He says, my goodness. We clipped oh. another one. Clipped yeah. in the yeah. That's right. Five of them. Five out of 15 yeah. of the quota. Yeah, 15 was the quota, and uh, we were responsible for five of them deaths. All the deer hunters ought to be loving us, houndsmen and trappers, because we're taking out the predators. We're making the deer and elk hunting better. So when you see your local houndsman, you ought to shake his hand. A couple bucks for gas, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 
you burn about a tank a day. So it's costing each one of these trucks 100 bucks to hunt a day. And the snowmobiles are eating about 30 a day hunting. We're burning a lot of fuel. Well, let's dive right into it. So season started the first, and our clients did not come into the fourth. I did not want to go lion hunting. I did not even want to look for a lion track. It's, uh, if we run a lion, it would be very hard to let that lion go, knowing that there's a quota. Most of our guides had tags. Um, my wife was very adamant for us not to even chase a mountain lion because she knew all of us had blood in her eyes and wanted to get fur in them dogs' mouth. So we tried to bobcat hunt uh, the first couple of days. We didn't really go at it very hard. We found two fresh tracks, but they were on private ground. We cut a really fresh line track covered in wolves, less than hours old. And one problem that we do have when we're running lions, and uh, we're fortunate to have snow in the country we hunt, but wolves are a major concern. They, uh, they don't bother us when we're elk and deer hunting, um, but when you have hounds on the ground, Wolves do not like other canines in their territory, and they will come to the base of a tree if you have a lion tree and you cannot get in there fast enough. There's horror stories all across the West and in Wisconsin where guys' hounds are being killed by wolves. So it is a major concern. It's, thank God we didn't turn loose. We did not find the wolf tracks until after the lion. We had a debate whether we're going to turn dogs loose. We decided not to. Drove the snowmobile 150 yards five wolf tracks. We might have just signed a death warrant to our hounds if we had turned them loose there. So you have to do due diligence of searching out the area. Even though you find a smoking hot track, you need to continue to search that area out and make sure you do not have wolves in the general area. Trappers and houndsmen learn to read sign very, very well. You learn to track sudden cues in the woods that give off what animals are doing, much more than what your average deer and elk hunter, they don't take in quite as much as a trapper does. And a houndsman, they're constantly staring at tracks on the ground. There's an old saying that in one year of trapping, you'll learn more than five years in deer hunting. That's, that's a fact. Yeah. All right. So our hunters from the first week, they had been on the books for two years. The system is on a quota, which it had been on a special draw before. So it took about six points to draw a lion tag, and it was very hard for a non-resident to draw a mountain lion tag. If you were lucky enough to draw one of them tags, we're in a superb mountain lion hunting area. It's very thick, very cliffy. Clients roll in on a Sunday. We get up early Monday morning, find multiple lion tracks. We turn loose on the wrong end. Dogs do the best they can. We handicapped them big time. Messed up as hunters. Just plain and simple. You just We're honest with them. The, the dogs can't make it happen. We messed up as hunters. It was on us today. I'm sure in their minds, not knowing exactly what they're getting into, they're probably getting nervous at that point because we just told them that we, we blew that whole thing up. Next day, yeah, so we found a track, day-old lion track, a lot of snow in it. We were getting heavy snowfall. We turn a couple hounds loose. They start to move the track a little bit. Uh, we jump in the woods with them and start hunting with the dogs. And when we say hunting with the dogs, you're going and that dog's cold trailing a lion. So you're running a track that the lion has no idea that he's even being pursued. He is going about his daily business and we're trying to trail in with hounds. The dogs make mistakes and lose the track, and if you're in the woods with them, you can find that lion track with your eyes, and you can help put them dogs, keep putting them back on the track, keeping them driving forward until the track starts to move, and then they'll get away from you. And that's exactly what happened here. Pace started picking up. Dogs started covering ground well. Uh, we set a trap. We had 
guys move around to another road, kind of converge. We were closing a net on them. If you can get every exit route closed off, it seems like some guys are sitting idle doing nothing, but in a few minutes those dogs could turn that ridge and be right sitting in your lap and you could be in the hot seat. And uh, we kind of had guys scattered out everywhere just keeping track, two on snowmobiles, couple on a pickup in one area, and one guy floating with the dogs just trying to stay adjacent with them. And uh, Walker and I bailed out, and we took two more dogs, and we started down through the woods as fast as we could possibly go to try to get them some help. Because such a long run in deep snow, those dogs get wore out, and if they can't keep putting pressure on that lion, that lion has free will to start doing some trickery to those dogs. And when the trickery starts, it's not good. It can be just total confusion, and by the time the dogs figure out that mess, the lion's worked into another area, and it's starting to make decisions on its own to dictate where the dogs have to travel instead of the dogs putting pressure to the cat, making him make bad moves. We got halfway down. Walker and I got about within 150 yards, and I could hear Tough, the one dog, locating a tree. 100 yards from them, they were all treeing. We turned the other dogs loose. They went in and began to tree too. Walker and I got down to the tree. Now, we had, we had permission in case that line had dropped below that national forest. Uh, Logan had permission for us to harvest an animal on that private ground, but luck have it, it was <laughs> right on the edge. I mean, in, honestly, the national forest marker was... On the national forest tree with the metal stake at the tree. Awesome. Yep. It's big trees. Yeah, I like when you put in enough pressure on the line, he doesn't got time to pick the tree. And then them little pecker poles up yeah, there hanging yeah. off the side of it. That's when, that's when you know the dogs were giving him some pressure. The lion, we got all worked in there, got the dogs tied back. Hunter gets into position. Scott made a heck of a good shot. Pound at the line right behind the front shoulder. Comes out of the tree. I tell Ben before this all takes place, I was like, I want my puppy right in on the action. And you don't want these dogs gun shy, so I had her, him hold her ears. That way when the gun goes off, it's not scaring her. And all she sees is the lion and what's going on there. The lion comes out of the tree and hits the ground. We think it's dead. Yeah, I thought it, it was dead. Like, I'm right under the tree. I hit, It did that whole death shake yeah, sort of in the tree. Yeah, the dog to yeah. it. It and tipped it, right out. It hit the ground and it didn't move. It was just laying there. All its muscles were doing the death shake. I jumped up with the dog. And get her, get her, get her, get her. Oh, yeah, yeah, they made get, fun get, of me for that. I'm, I'm not far from the cat. I'm like, what, five yards yeah. from it? And I run down the bank. This dog is going nuts just barking at it. With the dog on the lead strap? Yeah, dog on the lead strap. I don't know, what am I, two yards from it? Yeah, gets up and starts swatting, then it takes off running. Yeah, comes back to life. This pup is fired up at this point. She's like, I see what we're supposed to run. Mm -hmm. I get it now. So the lion runs off. All the dogs are still tied back. Um, we get Scott. Uh, he's on my back pocket. I have a handgun out. We start trailing this line. We take that line, what, 20 yards, 30 yards? Not very far at yeah. all. Not, it's all on video. You guys can watch it. But line's dead. Crawled up underneath the blowdown. He's expired. Now it starts. We start loosening dogs and let them yeah, come down I, and I get their reward. Yeah, I heard on the radio, cut them loose. And so uh, I turned that puppy loose, the first one, right away, and she took off. She wanted it pretty bad. Yeah. That line made brummy she's a year old i got her off one of my guiding buddies um shout out to richard Lyons. thanks dude you give me one heck of a hound uh, just a puppy right down in there and dove on that lion getting a little fur in her mouth so dead lion i mean picture taken hand shaking guys were pumped he awesome. was ecstatic yeah he was dude he was ecstatic. he was fired up i was just gonna say that 
Scott was a rock star. Scott was a rocker, man. <laughs> that is a true rock star. Yeah, like actual rock star. Yeah. This dude had a band that uh, had the drummer from Creed yeah. play with him. Yeah, he was serious, serious rocker. He's got some sweet music. Second Soul? Second Soul was the name of his band, if anybody would like to look up any of his music. If you're into rock and roll, you'll like it. Scott killed our first lion ever with Waypoint Outfitters. Dude, it was emotional. I shed a couple tears. Awesome hounds work from Logan, my dad, everybody. It was just, it was amazing. It was, you couldn't have wrote it down on paper how a, hunt, a hound hunt should go. Old track, cold trail, jump, run, tree, perfect. Nice big male lion. What you guys say? We didn't get to weigh any of the lions because we break them down in the woods a lot like our elk and they come out in pieces just because our country's rugged. Ben says right around 225. Yep. <laughs> All you guys telling you killing 200-pound lions. Bull crap. 125, 130, somewhere in that area. Nice male. Yeah, 135 max. Max line. It's a, it's a big 125. male. The biologist was impressed with how large the lion was. Uh, so when you look at the pictures, everybody's like, oh, my goodness, that's like 180 pounds. That's not at all true. Guys... Don't see a lot of lions, so an outfitter can make up whatever bullcrap he wants to tell him to wait because who's going to see a bunch of lions and tell you the difference? So now we're on to Mike. It's Mike's in the hot seat. What did we do the next day? Did we run a lion the next day? Yep. Yes. Sorrow Ridge. Oh, so Come back was again. It? So Sorrow Ridge strikes again. Anybody who's listening to these podcasts, Walker and I had two bulls wounded the first week. We find a lion track. We end up back on Sorrow Ridge. The old guy found another lion track. Pat him on the back, Ben. Jamothy. We finally put this lion in a tree. Dogs, cold trail, jump, run, tree. Now, I ride a snowmobile up in, and I'm checking these dogs to make sure they're treated. There's a bad set of cliffs right where the dogs are at. I can actually see the dogs working back and forth below the cliff and... I can hear some of the dogs barking treed, but they're roaming on the tree pretty bad. And we got a bunch of young dogs, but my hounds that I had on my snowmobile started barking because they're hearing the other dog's tree. And I tried to shut them dogs up, and because I was across Canyon, the dogs at the tree heard me talking and shut up. It made me nervous because young dogs that are roaming on a tree, you do not want them distracted on anything. You want them focused on that tree and staying right there. So I got nervous, made a rookie mistake. I turned the two dogs in my snowmobile loose to keep them shut up and send them into the tree. What do they do? They bark every bark, every breath down over the mountain and suck those other dogs off a tree. They started a bobcat chase. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm going to the other dogs, suck those dogs off a tree. Now I have all the hounds are racing a bobcat around. And I have no idea if the lion's even treed, if he made it through the rocks. About that time, Logan pops out of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, Logan hikes up onto the mountain from the bottom, which I took a snowmobile. There's Logan. So now both of our hounds are in there, our pack of dogs. And uh, we start over to fi figure out what the heck is going on. I mean, it's total mass confusion. We get over in there, and we're confident the lions work through the cliffs. Logan goes up around the cliffs to find the track coming out, and I go down into the cliffs to find the track going up through. And I walk over there, and there sits a lion in the tree. No dogs on it whatsoever. The dogs are running bobcats, which that sounds terrible as we're telling hound stories, but 
it happens. We're just being honest. I mean, anybody that's houndsman, they just know that it's total chaos when you turn a dog loose. At least it was a cat. Yeah. Could have been something else. One dog broke off the bobcat chase and come back in, and the dogs start coming filtering back up to the tree, and they're all back on the tree. So just as good. (laughs) I mean, we got a lion in the tree, and the dogs are back underneath of it, and it's steep. There's cliffs. Uh, There's one tree growing out on a cliff. The reason why they were roaming off of the tree so much is they were going underneath the cliff face and working back around on a little game trail and then popping up to the rock and treeing. Hunter starts working his way in with a couple of the guides. One of our radios, the ham radios, starts squelching in a backpack like crazy. Me, Walker, and Brock were coming up from the bottom, and I told Walker that these guys aren't going to blow the cat out of the tree till we get there. Yeah. And we're working up through these cliffs, and what were we, like three, two, 300 yards from the yeah. tree? And then this starts going down, what you're talking about. Yeah, so the lion's moving. He's getting very restless. On most scenarios, if that lion jumps, we just loosen the dogs again, and they rerun and hopefully catch the lion. But with the cliff section we were in, the lion could have very easily put the slip on the dogs, and it could have took us hours to get the dogs through the cliffs, which would have given that lion a big head start to start running again. So we did not want him to leave that tree, if all possible. And we make the decision that we're going to try to kill him as he's moving in the tree. Um, I think he shot three or four times whenever it come out of the tree because we were below in that drainage. And yeah. We just start hearing pop, 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 pop. Like, yeah, the look on Walker's face when the gun started going off, he just looked just so bewildered. He's like, they started shooting without us. Well, Walker's <laughs> got a camera, so he's all about yeah. getting this footage. Yeah. Now, I had to reassure him that it was probably not their choice of doing it. The cat's probably choosing to come out of the tree, and they're wanting to get it killed. In heat of the moment, the lion takes off down over the mountain. We don't know how the shots are on him. We know we have three of our guides down below, so it's kind of sketchy. Do you start tracking that lion? And if we jump him up down there below, we're going to be shooting a gun. We don't know the direction that our guides are coming in from, so we off to just hold tight. Uh, they pull up onto the side of the mountain so they're not in the bottom. And now the big decision comes, do we start putting dogs back on the lion or do we try to trail the lion to make sure he's dead down there or he's not wounded terrible? Um, Dogs on a wounded lion could get real western real fast. Jay, one of our guides, takes down after the track and he's following specks of blood and he takes that lion track for over 200 yards yells in the canyon that the lion's still moving. So we start looking at our pack of hounds, and the last thing you want to do is turn a gritty dog loose because you have one bait up, and that dog wants to fight that lion. He's not afraid to get in close. It, the lion could catch and kill the dog. So now we're scared as dog owners. It's They're fired up wanting to be turned loose, and this is their job. I mean, this is what they're here for. We end up cutting every dog loose but Rain. Um, she's my oldest dog. I was scared to death to cut her loose. Um, she's pretty gritty. They trail down out of there. I mean, they're running wide open. And they go down through there, and they start working that lion on the ground in yeah. a bunch of regen pines. Yeah, they went down past me. I didn't – me, Walker, and Brock were up on the mountain, and the cat went past us. We didn't see the cat. But I was watching the GPS, and as the dogs came down through, I dropped down. And so I saw the dogs go through, and they went down into a real thick patch of regens. And they're probably like four or 500 yards in front of us. And I can hear them baying. Yeah. And so we so put her. Fighting. When we say baying, they, are, they have this lion on the ground and they are wanting to scrap him. Yep. <laughs> they are trying to fight. 
So we put our knees to the breeze and we bug down there. And as we get in there, this lion is starting to break from the dogs. He's in some real, real thick stuff, so they can't put a lot of pressure on him. We went and got in them regens and circled him, and he was just real loose from them and bouncing around. So you put your wind, you yep. put your wind back up into where that lion was trying yep. to push him out of that thick. Yep. We didn't have no guns or nothing, and we got a wounded lion in there. So I told him we all got to stay together, and we went in there and started <laughs> roaming around in these. Regens. Now, the, we do not know how wounded this lion is. No, I didn't know. but no nothing. I just knew the dogs were working this lion. They weren't far from him, and he was in, some, in a bad place to have dogs chewing on him. Well, works out to our favor. We drive him out of the regen pine trees with all the dogs on him, and as soon as he gets in the open woods, he no longer holds the fighting floor, and all the dogs do, and he pops in a tree. So lions in a tree, a second tree now. Dogs are treeing their guts out on him, we can hear a solid roar from up on the mountain. I mean, it just sounds like <laughs> there's a hundred dogs down there. How many dogs we have? There's only like five down there. I was going to say, I think there's five down there. Three of them were only three years old. Yeah. One of them was four, and the other one was 11 months. Mm-hmm. So we're not running very old dogs. So I... Yeah, they were fired up because they just got done seeing it, all but chewing on it, and they got it out in the open, and they were sight chasing it to that tree. They saw it jump in that tree. They were fired up. Great for young dogs. Great for them. So now I'm with the hunter, all the guides, and the other hounds, and they're working. They're down there, and they're now they're underneath the tree. I'm bringing the hunter down through. The only thing that can hinder us from killing this lion is daylight, and we have a 1,000 yards to cover, and it is about 3.45, and we need to pick up the pace, or we are never going to get there. So we start covering ground, and I'm pushing him. I'm pushing him pretty hard, and I can hear him back there. As a guide, you know when you start hearing it, <sighs> they're breathing extra heavy. That way they know that you know that yeah. they're tired because they're wanting a break. I give no breaks. We push, and I keep telling him, I said, man, we've got to get there. You can you can rest for 365 days or the rest of your life. You can rest and recall on the amount of effort you put out for this one moment. You have one moment to make this happen, and we're going to do it tonight. It's going to happen before it gets dark because I don't know what we're going to be able to do tomorrow. So we get in. We finally break that 100 yards. We can hear the dogs. We can see the guys. I stop the client. We go over everything. You have to make this happen. He was a Marine. We get in there. He lays down. Gun goes off. The first shot exploded that limb right in front of its chest, and that, that was the only really good shot that he took. The rest was Adam shots. Yeah, shooting at him. Lion starts to come out of the tree. Everybody knew in their mind that it's almost 5 o'clock. We're in the fading bit of light. You would be an idiot if you turn your dogs loose back again. We got wolves, big giant country. The dogs could take that lion into an area where we can't get into and they might have to spend the night or they could rail that lion a little bit and we could be into the dark and the dogs could have a holy fight on their hands and us not be able to help them. Well, also, we did, at the time, we didn't know what condition this lion was. We thought maybe he injured it more. You yeah. don't want a lion on the ground eating dogs after dark. That's, that's no. not good. We can't give them any help. We can't work with a handgun. I mean, ethically... Yeah, you would get in there and kill that lion and put it out of its misery, but lawfully, we cannot shoot after legal shooting hours. So now that animal's left to go that night. My dad and I and a couple of the guys, we took dogs and started coming off the mountain. Walker, Brock, and Logan and the hunter tracked the lion. 
the lion goes to walking after a couple hundred yards from the tree. So uh, we know he's not hurt bad. There was blood in every other step on the in the left foot. It was in his footprint. It wasn't like dripping off his body to the side or in the middle, so we knew it wasn't hit very well. Now we have all night to discuss this, to think about what's going on, and we know that we have a lion that's been wounded. I talked to a couple of my uh, hound friends. They told me, absolutely, you're crazy for turning dogs loose on that lion. Um, but for the animal's sake, we've got to make some risks. We've got to do some stuff that we maybe not want to do as hunters just to make sure that lion doesn't suffer. We don't want him to starve to death. That's no way to go. I mean, such a pretty animal. Now, we made it very, very thorough that we will hunt this lion if it takes the rest of your hunt. We are going to continue to hunt this one lion. We will not turn the dogs loose on anything else. This lion has been wounded. And this is your line, and we will exhaust everything to try to kill him. And we got that all clear to the hunter. Everybody could read me in the morning. I mean, I was nervous. Uh, I didn't want to turn any dogs loose. I, I did, but I didn't. I want that line dead. I guess that's where the old timer comes in. Told him, I said, if you was going up this road and you found a line track and had a speck of blood, would you turn loose? Uh, Logan and Josh both said, yeah, we turned loose, and it all worked out. We picked four dogs out that we think are going to be... They're not going to be super gritty. Well, I know Logan's lying because he's got Rusty as best hound in there, and that sucker's got scars on his head and everything else from lions over the years. Top-notch dog. Top-notch. We walk in. We hit that lion track. Dogs start trailing out. They go to roaring 100 yards out in front of us, and bam, dogs start treeing. He couldn't ask her any better. Logan and I go running in. I mean, we're sprinting because we don't know if this thing's on the ground, whipping dogs, what's going on. Here it's sitting in a tree about 15 feet. Yeah, I mean, setting beautiful. We get the hunter in there, and he makes a great ethical shot, kills that lion dead that time. We got another nice male lion down, done deal. Got the lion checked in, uh, three days. Morgan jumps into action and tells the other two guys to pick up the pace. Not three days to Montana, but two. Now we have two more hunters driving all night. They get in midnight on Saturday, and we go looking for tracks at 1 o'clock. They didn't get any sleep. They bailed right in the trucks. And then a phone call comes in that one of our buddies might have a line track. Uh, we're welcome to go investigate stuff out. Uh, we go up in there, and uh, sure enough, we find an old lion track it's on national forest um but it's heading into a piece of private ground <laughs> luck be having an old timer pulled in and he goes they just sold that property a couple years ago and i got permission over everything and you kill all them lions so we were able to access that and try to harvest this line even if it went on private property so we loosened some dogs they cold trail up over the mountain and they go to jump and they go into a nasty set of ledges. <laughs> oh boy, everybody here is grinning and looking at me when I said nasty. This is mountain climbing ledges. If you were a rock climber, this is heaven for you right here. We didn't know how nasty it was where the dogs were at. We could see a giant cliff face, but we thought the dogs were down underneath that cliff 100 yards. Here, here the dogs were not 100 yards under that cliff face. They were on a rim, about a one-foot rim that goes around to a rock the size of two dinner tables with one giant tree coming off of it. And what, 50 to 60-foot cliff face directly below that one-foot ledge and directly below the tree. Yeah, Easy 50-foot. Josh and Meshach realized when they looked at the lion, she's got this game played. And she's going to dive off of that tree onto that top ledge and laugh as she's leaving there. And it takes the next hour and a half for us to get around to the top of this. So 
Josh pulls this wonderful idea off that's kind of off the wall, but, man, it, it, it was dead nuts. I could see your eyeball on that ledge up. So let me, let me lay this out for the listeners. That tree protrudes up off of them picnic table-sized rocks, and it goes up 80 feet. And it's only 15 foot away from that ledge the whole way. And that lion's sitting 60 feet in that tree, and that ledge is only 15 <laughs> feet away. And she's just watching us, and she knows that she can jump over there on that cliff. That's not the first time she's played that game. This lion has been dogged multiple times, and they get very savvy to figuring out how they need to trick those dogs and get away from them. We threw a little hitch in her get up. Logan and I snuck 400 yards around, up and over, and when we popped out on the top of that cliff face, we were only 15 feet from her, and we took the escape route clear away from her. She didn't know what to do then, so then the guys work in from the bottom. We've got an escape route covered, and they're coming in, it's taking them a long time to get in there, and we're like, what is going on? Here we can hear them yelling down there that they're on a cliff. It's, it's very, very bad. Nowhere to tie up the dogs. No, and you have, to, you have to tie these dogs up at the base of the tree in case that lion comes out that the dogs aren't flying right into a wounded lion. You can take that right away by tying them up, and you can make your shot and then let it play out and figure out what you need to do from there using your brain, not just total chaos with dogs at the base of the tree running. Oh, in this situation as well, these dogs want that lion bad enough. They'd have jumped off that cliff to try and get it. Exactly. They, they throw caution to the wind. Their brains are totally gone at that point. They're just wanting lion in their mouth. I watched the lion get shot at 15 feet. It died instantaneously. Jeremy pounded this thing through the heart. Oh, these guys can shoot. I mean, no bull crap is one shot and done. If anybody's watched that last of the Mohicans when that, they kill that guy and he goes <laughs> off that cliff in slow motion down over there. That's exactly what the line did when the gun cracked. How far do you think that cat fell from that tree? More than 100. 60 to the first when it hit the ground. We cannot see this because we're underneath the tree, and when the gun cracks, you can imagine two foot of snow on limbs for the next 30 seconds. All it was was a blizzard where me and Ben were sitting. We couldn't see anything. I held them while the hunter shot the cat because there was nowhere to time, so I just held on to them. Ben had the tree straddled. So he has the tree between his legs to keep from falling off the cliff, and he's got dogs in one hand, tree in the other hand. He keeps asking me, he said, am I back far enough that the line comes out of the tree? Well, you're back as far as you're going. I guess that's good enough. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting at the bottom of the tree. I had them two dogs, and I saw nothing but snow for like two feet in front of my face. I'm just expecting if this lion isn't dead at any second, there's going to be a lion face appear out of the snow. <laughs> ben doesn't mind. I thought he was going to get chewed on by a lion. He's no. got bear canine holes in him. Yeah. I thought he was wanting to just outdo us all and have lion holes in him too. Yeah. So now the lion's dead. We know we've got confirmation the lion's gone. Now we got to get these dogs off the ledges and they are going absolutely berserk. Logan actually told Audidel, he told him, do not let loose of his dog. When you tell this boy something, he, he pretty much listens. I look and he's within four or five feet from going over 40 to 60 foot ledge. His eyes are so big. I said, let loose the dog, let loose the dog. And he finally let loose the dog and it went back up over the hill. It, it turned into a near death experience, literally for every man that was up there and the dogs, just, just the ledges itself. I slide down through a chute about 40 feet through a really, really steep chute catch my feet. I'm making a loop around. Well, Ben says, are you still in the living? You've been gone a long time. Well, that's because we seen you take off down through that chute, and we didn't know if there was a big cliff on that side, too. It was just fat guy in snow flying everywhere down through the mountain. <laughs> I bet that was impressive. Oh, yeah. 
I passed Jeremy on that one foot ledge. <laughs> Logan and I go around him. And he said we look like mountain goats going around <laughs> him on that rock ledge. We get the bright idea that we're going to tether a bunch of lead straps together. And Ben is going to hold on to the lead strap along with two dogs and straddling the tree with me attached to the lead straps. <laughs> and that one lead strap, my dog had chewed that lead strap and I actually looked at it afterwards. It was hanging by like an eighth of an inch. And that lead strap was, that was the second lead strap tied in a knot to my backpack. So we hooked four or five lead straps together. We hook a snap into my backpack. And now we're all going to work as a convoy to get dogs around this one foot ledge over to the tree and then down through the chute where my dad fell. So I grab Bridger, which Bridger, Bridger's a knucklehead. He totally spazola. He's going nuts. I have the dog by the collar and... They're pulling me with a, just keeping tension on the, the rope, the lifeline back to the tree. <laughs> and uh, Bridger gets four legs against the side of the tree and is trying to drag me down off the cliff. So finally I'm yelling at Brock, Brock, come down around the corner of the rocks. And I hand him a lead strap. He drags that dog back up and we start letting him down from that cliff, down onto the next cliff, and then down through that chute. Finally, all the dogs get down there. We get off the cliff. Our clients, um, Eric and Jeremy, they own a hunting outfit in Maine. So they know this whole situation. They're first-time lion hunters, but they're used to dog hunting. So the chaos and that, that's what they come for. They, they come for that experience right there. Pretty cool cat, uh, <laughs> literally. So I'm in church Sunday and uh, kind of afterwards talking to a couple friends there at church. And uh, I hear the one guy say, my little dog went out the driveway. I tracked him out the driveway and he got into the plowed snow. He hasn't been home for two or three days. So I'd say she's been eating some pets in around town a while. Yeah. Even to make this story better, Brock and I go to feed my dogs over at the property. We stop and we're reing up and on Red Bull for the next day. <laughs> And the lady knows that we own a hunting outfit, and we do a lot of hunting. So they're like, oh, how's the hunting been going? I was like, not bad. And I was like, you know where a fella might find a lion track? And she's like, I only know a one lion, and I live outside of Knoxon, Montana, and there is a lion that screams up on these rock ledges, and she's been terrorizing us for years. She was just tickled to death that the, the pet eater is gone. <laughs> she's like, oh, my gosh, you got her. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, so an old old female an old female cat she'd been around a little bit been tricking dogs for years clipped another one clipped another one <laughs> this is three now three. i'm sorry we just killed so many cats i <laughs> can't remember which one's which oh stop your gloating the next day our dogs are getting wore down i made i made the decision that we would go looking for tracks on sunday but really didn't have much intention of turning any hounds loose i never even went and got any of my dogs from the kennel. I let him in there. I fed him early in the morning, um, and then we went back and fed him late in the evening, got him two hot meals. Dogs got rested up. If you don't maintain your dogs or manage them, you can get them run down so much that you're chasing plenty of lions, but that's all you're doing is chasing. The dogs don't have the energy, that extra push that they need when they jump that line to put the pressure to them to put them in a tree. So the dogs got a daybreak. Now we're down to the fourth and final cat for Waypoint Outfitters. I don't really remember much of this, the last one. So who found this track? Me. Oh, Ben, you found one. Yeah, I finally found Warmed one. up the old guy. Yep. I'm proud of you, old boy. Fresh track? Yeah, I thought it was pretty fresh. It had snowed a little bit. You couldn't tell exactly, but I could see the print pretty good, and so I sounded the alarms. Rally the troops. That's our call sign, man. That's game on at that point in time. Everybody stops what they're doing, and we roll in hot. 
So, someone go ahead and start it. How to go, Brock? What did we do next? I honestly forget. <laughs> I think this part's kind of fitting for the week. I'll bet sleep. <laughs> Hold up, we got to back up. I got to tell, oh, yeah. tell a spotted elk story now. All right, yeah. <laughs> so we are all very low on sleep. So Brock checks a canyon with a snowmobile. I come out from a road system and I pull up to him and I'm like, Brock, we're going to have to move. We got to get going. He's like, all right, all right, all right. And he puts the truck in reverse and we pull away. He puts the truck in reverse with the sleds on the trailer right next to a river. <laughs> yes. So we're waiting for the truck to move backwards. The truck does not move. It stays stationary with the reverse lights on. I back up. I beat on Brock's window. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's not even awake. We think he is. Ben and I are laughing in there because he's so tired. We pull back away. And a guy lives at the base of that mountain. And he comes out, and he's our friend. So we start talking to him. And he's like, what's your buddy doing? I was like, I have no idea. I think he's sleeping. Brock is sound asleep in the pickup with it in reverse with the brake lights on. And we're sitting 200 yards from him laughing. We pull back up there, finally wake him up. Knucklehead, your truck's in reverse. You're about to go over the bank. He pulls her together, and Brock got her figured out. Yep. He's expert backer-upper. This guy's tougher than woodpecker lips. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jim. So the troops are rallied. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. We haven't turned the dogs loose yet. Ben, you found the track. Yeah, I found the track. It crossed the road three times. I didn't know which end was right. I looked at the track, and I, I talked to Logan, and I said, the only way that cat is on the bottom end of that track is if that thing rented a hot air balloon and hovered over top <laughs> of us to the next drainage. No way possible is it on the bottom end. We turn a couple dogs loose, and uh, they start trailing out of there. They're going into a big canyon. <laughs> yes. A big canyon. Not how we want them to go. A long canyon. Dogs break over the rim. They're rowing pretty good. They're, the lion's not jumped. Ben and I are hiking all we got to try yeah. to keep up with dogs running. We, we, got the, we got her out of cruise control, and we got her in hammer mode. They're moving, moving pretty fast, but still, still cold trailing. Luck we have it, we hear the dogs jump the lion. And Ben and I are starting getting excited now. They boil that thing off the mountain. They, they come off the cliffs, back down in the creek, and now they're roaring. And they're still heading up canyon. Bam, lock up tree. Ben and I start hauling in there as fast as we can. I mean, we're excited that we got the lion caught, but we're freaking out that the wolves could come into our tree and start killing our dogs. So we're hustling. We get in there. We start getting everybody to start coming in. Uh, the lion's not sitting very pretty. Uh, she's moving around a bunch. I'm soaked. I'm, I'm starting to get froze. Ben suggests that we build a fire, so we... We go off the lion tree 40, 50 yards in this little thick cover. And we, build a, we build a fire, and we're over by the fire just letting the dogs work at the bottom of the tree. And all of a sudden, the roar is getting loud over at the tree. Yeah, all the dogs fired up. Like, they, they saw the lion moving around. So the lion starts backing down. And lions don't back down trees very often. Usually, they come down, hit a good perch, survey the situation, and leap into a safe zone, and away they go. <laughs> This thing backed down like a bear. Mm -hmm. And I mean, now we've got dogs unhooked, and we got him by the collars, and we were sitting at the base of the tree. We're just, we're just taunting him at this point. Yeah. Just try it, buddy. Come just try down. it. Come on down. You're going to go farther down canyon, which is closer to the trucks, because we got the top of the canyon block. This cat's going to want to run. 
the opposite direction from the side of the tree we have the dogs tied on and we where we have the fire she comes down bails out we click dogs right on her i mean they they were right on i her. mean right on her it looked like a giant snowball going down through the woods would they go 600 yards yeah 600 yards Six. down towards the trucks making yeah. our lives easier but bang locked up treat again when you tell West Virginia boys that have bear hunted their whole life that they're treated at three and a half miles in, they look at you and say, are you serious? Not many places in West Virginia have much more than a mile walk to a tree. Because of the logging units, logging roads. Correct. It's not so much that you have, you can drive the trucks right up there. You just have a gated logging road, a lot of national forests, so you can still get around. Oh, yeah. It's just three and a half miles. That's just a long ways to a tree. We got this lion tree now in the second tree. Ben and I get in there. And we've got two dogs up in the tree. There's a blowdown that laid 15 feet off the ground to the tree, and it's notched into it. And one of Logan's dogs, Bailey, she's the one that locked this lion down. She's in the tree. Guys get in there. We've already got a spot picked out for the shooter. That way there's no time wasted. Cats get really, really, really weary in a tree. They do not like to set, especially the females. They're not unstable in a tree all the time. I think that's in life in general. <laughs> you yeah. tell them, Jim. I've heard uh, guys, old houndsmen, talk about catching female lions to male lions. It would be a lot like watching a woman go in a grocery store. They just meander around all day looking at things to buy, and a man goes in, in and out. So a male lion could possibly be easier to run because he's not so wishy-washy. He's not checking this spot, checking that spot. He's got a direction on his mind, so it's much easier for the dogs to follow that trail rather than a female that's everywhere. So that's the difference between a male and a female. All right, Hunter comes in, lion's in the tree, dogs are tied back. Dude makes a great ethical shot, kills that lion dead. Um, yep. It's and over. These boys can kill. Yep. There's no playing around. No. Yeah, and there again, Brummy. I got Brummy on a leash. Looking at the lion, perfect, perfect timing. Lion comes out, hits the ground. But this one doesn't get up. I got Brummy two yards away, and she's going nuts, just baying wide open at this lion. Put the fire in her. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we kill this cat. We work it up on the ground, build a big fire. The whole Montana experience. It, it doesn't get it. Nasty canyon, way back in. We're going to be well after dark. So we start hiking out. We hit, the, we hit the trucks, what, two hours after dark? Finally got out of there. We forgot all about Walker in heat of the moment. Walker was doing his job, and he sent, he went in and checked in two lions for our previous clients, and I told him to rejoin our hunt. He couldn't get radio contact with us. Sat there since 12 o'clock. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. So Walker's sitting over at the truck. I feel bad. I just remembered him as soon as I rode the snowmobile down, and then I could see Walker sitting in the truck. I was like, son of a gun. We forgot yeah. about Walker. <laughs> Anyways, we're all happy, cheerful. Walker's like, man. Glad you guys had a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, guys. And get me back to the lodge. <laughs> Eric and Jeremy, they run a hunting outfit in Maine. I think it's Backbone Mountain Hunting Service. Great dudes and offer good service up there. Hard hunters also. Ecstatic about what happened. I mean, they're they're freaking pumped. They, they're bear hunters. Been bear hunters their whole lives with dogs. And they wanted to come experience a lion chase. And one thing that I always say is you got to forget about bear hunting when you're running lion dogs, and you got to forget about whitetail when you're elk hunting. And that is as truthful as it gets. If you watch a GPS and you're a bear houndsman, 
you will think these dogs are doing absolutely stupidness because of the spaghetti noodles that they're putting on the track, but that's just a trickery that a lion will pull on them. Uh, it's total mass chaos. It takes an intelligent dog to keep tracks moving. Whole different dog mentality. You know, that toughy dog's as good as there is on a bear dog, and he's just a mediocre, at best, lion dog. These runs on a bear, you could run them every day, day in, day out. So a pounding two feet of snow and blowdowns where they can't go under you know, just covered in snow. It's a whole different ball game here in Montana. Let's go over some of the speeds that these dogs run different from the country to country. How fast will your dogs run a jump bear in West Virginia? In the 11s, 12s, you catch almost every bear you put them on. I mean, you catch bears at 8, 7, 8 in big clear-cut country. We're catching cats here at 4.5 mile an hour, but it's it's the two feet of snow that they're pounding through. It just, yeah. it just cuts them down. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. About four and a half, 4.2 to 4.5 is what my dogs are running a jump line. Now, in spring bear season, no snow. I'm getting my dogs. I had them run 8.2 mile an hour, and that's rugged country. I mean, just the amount of blowdowns and how steep it is. The dogs have super difficulty getting around. My dad, he hunted in New Mexico. And how many days did you guys hunt before you found a track? Uh, 16th day, the dogs actually started to trail a line. Yeah, and you guys were doing some dry ground, but you had skips of snow. Yes. This country is different than anything I've ever hunted in. It's big timber, but it's got that regen in it that slows things down. But these cats hunt in the thickest of crap, and that's where the deer are at, and that's what they're hunting in. Every move is about killing something. A freak of nature. Now we're back to hunting. Again, everybody's deadbeat tired. Instead of us taking time off, we're, we're pounding the brush again. They're trying to talk me into shooting a lion now. Got had, one, we got one left on the quota. We got one left on the quota. We decided we had two more clients booked, but the way the quota was, I did not want to have those clients come out and have to end the hunt because there was no more cats that we could hunt. Um, the quota would have been filled. just made me nervous, so we rolled the rest of our clients over to the very next year, and that's how we're going to kind of do things from now on. Meanwhile, I don't want to be in the hot seat. <laughs> Walker's pumped. He's wanting to shoot a lion for himself, but I don't know why he wanted me to shoot one. I was wanting him to, or Jay, or somebody else, one of the local person. I was wanting to just gather them up and let them shoot the lion, but they're on me. Terrible about killing one with my bow, because I, I was fortunate to kill an elk and a bear, and... If I could kill a lion with my bow, it'd be pretty cool. So we turned loose on two tracks, a male and a female breeding pair. We turn dogs loose, and we know it's going to be kind of chaotic. When you turn loose on two lions, it's, you never don't know, we don't know what end's going to come out. We don't know if all the dogs will be on one line. We'll have all the dogs but one, how it's going to work out. Luckily, my dogs all stayed on one track, working the cold track, and dad's dogs were just a hair above the mountain on mine as they come around they hit a lion track and they went right out my dogs made a loop down around and they caught that second lion's tracks going out and they cold trailed it right up and regathered into where dad's dogs were cold trailing so now we've got five dogs cold trailing two lions in the same direction and they head up into a big canyon walker and uh, brought me a sled two dogs we go up we find where the lion went across the, the road we add those two dogs in Ben and I just get back in the truck, and uh, we have a, a big screen in the pickup that Bluetooth connects to our GPSs, and it's throwing up 
mapping and the dogs coming out. And Ben's like, those dogs are coming hot back for the road. I mean, they're moving. And he said, I was like, all right, good, good. And he's like, no, they're coming for the road now. We put that Ford in high gear, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) We start rolling out across there, and it's a big open rock slide. And we can see the dogs running down off that rock slide full bore. We don't want to. We don't want to interfere with pulling the truck up too close, or the dogs that we have in the truck barking, carrying on. So we let them cross the road. They cross a big river, and we pull up there and we put a couple more dogs down on the track, uh, just because those dogs have run run a long way now, and they definitely have the line up and their jump. It's they're putting her to them. The dogs are roaring, going out along the hill. Bam, lock up tree. We go down, we pull adjacent to them on the road, and they're 450, 500 yards over, and I can see Ben fidgeting. I said, Ben, you want in there? He's like, you know I want in there. So I throw him out with the radio in his backpack, and he takes off hauling into them dogs. Lion's not setting very good at all it, whatsoever. It's, it's antsy, antsy, antsy in the tree. Bails out. Dogs all after it again. Into another tree. So I have my bow, and now we're trying to get into the tree to get this thing killed or possibly kill it. I got within 50 yards of the tree, lion bails out again. Dogs down over, bam, lock up tree again. Uh, we roll into that third tree, and no lion in the tree whatsoever. Me and Eric was a little bit behind. I was gathering up equipment from these boys. They go so fast, they, you could almost make a living on the equipment they leave behind. Found a radio, camera lens, coming up the hill, probably 200 yards from the second tree, and I hear the dogs coming screaming. I look up, and here comes the lion running straight at us. How far was the lion from you? 12 feet, maybe. Awesome. Yeah, that's close enough you could Dogs boring on it. I tell these boys, I said, we're done. I said, it's a male lion. I said, it's just a male lion. You're wasting your time. We weren't. <laughs> so the dog slick tree. A slick tree is where the dogs will lock up, and they are convinced that that lion is in that tree. There's a couple big trees in there, but we can't see up, and the dogs can't see up neither. And there was another pole that laid down up against that tree, so the lion ran up that pole onto that tree and then launched off onto another pole and escaped up the hill. The dogs smell the track going up that pole, and instantly they've already had this lion in three trees. They, they know it's treed right there. I mean, they are blowing the top out of the tree but no lion. Ben and I are yelling back and forth in the thick, and Ben's like, I'm confident the lion went up. He works up, and he's like, got the lion track right here. We only have a few dogs with us in the woods um, up there. The rest had followed guys back to the truck. So we got two puppies, a 13-year-old dog. We're nervous. So we put them dogs on that track, and everybody's like, it's done. They ain't going to catch that lion. They can't catch that lion. Little Brummy sets sail, buddy. I mean, put her in motion. She's she's outrunning our older dogs, um, making it look real good on a GPS. And they take it over into a nasty canyon with huge cliffs, bad, bad cliffs. Like, we've lost a lot of lions in there that they get through them cliffs and the dogs can't make it. And by the time you get started again, it's too late. And it was always 3 o'clock. Ben and I decide that we're not coming off the mountain to the truck. We're just going to continue on. We're going to climb about 1,000 feet in elevation and hopefully hit this, this big point and take it out across there and be able to walk fairly fast. Ben's like, I wonder how bad that point is. I was like, nah, it won't be bad at all. 
no blowdowns up there. <laughs> we didn't go 100 yards. Ben turns around and goes, I thought there wasn't any blowdowns up there. I was like, well, I weren't going to tell you there was because you wouldn't want it to go. Brummy, Barb, and Rosin went just into that canyon right before the cliffs and started showing tree on the GPS. Now, we instantly think that they actually got cliffed out. We're, ben and I are confident that the dogs are cliffed out and because they're roaming, which Ben calls it their bunny hunting. They were roaming around on a tree a good bit. Brummy kind of wasn't roaming very much. She was staying in one spot pretty tight. Yeah, she, the other dogs kept pulling her off the tree, but she was treeing hard. You could see on the GPS, she'd, she'd lock on tree. Her bark indicators would go way up. Yeah, and, 40 barks a minute, I mean hammering. And so we go in, and we hit a trail that goes up that canyon. And once I hit that trail, I was like, dude, I can't drop into them rocks with spur. I was like, we'll be putting this dog in a backpack and carrying him. Or if not, we're going to have to come back up to this trail through those cliffs and get spur, and someone's going to have to go out the trail. So Ben volunteers. He goes, I'll drop 60 yards down in there, and I'll see what the dogs are doing. And if it's they're hung on a cliff, we'll pull back up out, and we'll just head out the trail, and we'll tuck tail, and the line wins today. He goes down over there, and I hear him hoot. I was like, no way. He hoots again. I was like, oh, my goodness, it's for real. I walk down over there, and there sits that lion in the tree. A little brummy at the bottom of the tree, locked on that tree, just tree. And I did get emotional. There was a couple of tears come out of me. I petted that dog up. It was impressive. Um, we, holler, we holler for the guys. Um, the lion's sitting high, high in the tree. And it's, it's a female, and it's an old female it doesn't have any ears yeah, it's ears ears and tail were froze off and the teeth no teeth really yeah all. one canine was missing and the other one is wore completely down we're gonna have some pictures of this up on instagram um very curious what the biologist ages this lion at so they bring in my bow and the lion's still sitting in a tree lucky have it she's not sitting pretty she's wanting to come down bad mm-hmm. So now I'm in the hot seat. Now they got a video camera on me. <laughs> the bow has so much ice caked on the limbs, caked on the rest, that I draw the bow back and ice flies off of the limbs and off the string. I let the bow back down. I redraw it two or three times just to make sure that no ice was going to hinder the string movements. I've made fun of a lot of hunters that have shot bows in the trees, and I take all of it back. <laughs> I draw the bow back on level ground. I'm shooting almost straight up it feels like mm-hmm. so when i hit my anchor point i cannot even see my sights my anchor point is so far off that i have to move my head on my bowstring to even see the pins so i let the bow back down and i give walker a look and i was like oh boy not good and i cannot back up the change angle on the tree because if the lion starts to come out i need to kill her with a handgun we're, we're not, we can't let her make it any farther than this. We're trying to harvest this animal, and if she gets out of this tree, it's done for the day. So I redraw the bow back. I aim up in there, and I'm having terrible time getting these pins on this, this cat. There's only a hole what, the size of a basketball yeah. that I could shoot through, and there was one broken stob that comes out directly in the cat's vitals, and I figured if I aimed for the tip of that stob, I would be okay. Finally, I fight the pin in there as close as I can, and I let one rip, and it deflects off a limb. Cat goes clear to the top of the tree. I redraw the bow in the, as fast as I can. I put an arrow on. The cat's climbing up the tree. I'm nervous, wreck. I didn't know that the first arrow deflects. I send the second one 
just flying out through brush. <laughs> no hope in the world for hitting a lion. So now I'm down to two arrows. I put the third arrow on the bow, and I'm shooting a newer release I just started shooting this year, which is a Carter with a push button. And I draw the bow back, and the release hooks my orange vest. <laughs> arrow out through. I'm not even, not even expecting the shot to go off. Just heat of the moment, moving around. Bonk, arrow goes out through the top of the trees. I was like, oh, boy. Ben just made fun of me for having four arrows in my quiver. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm a killer. I'm going to smoke that yeah. thing. Yeah, well, now I'm down to one arrow, and we're sucking bad. Walker's like, change angle. So I run up the hill, got another arrow on my bow. I pull back, last one, and luck we have it. It was actually a fairly good shot. It wasn't great by any means, but it, it went in. It, it actually caught a little bit of lungs, went back through into guts. This lion makes one heck of a roar and jumps from the top of this tree. What, 80 feet? Yeah, it was up there, way up there. Just going. On to the ground now. I'm not real pumped about my shot. I look at Walker. I was like, that one went in. Touchback. It touched back. <laughs> it was quartering to me, but we think it did its job. We're hoping it did. Yeah. I'm at the base of the tree. I have his 10. I'm backing him up and... There's so much snow, and the lion went down on the other side of a couple deadfalls. I never saw the lion hit the ground. I didn't know that he screwed up the first two Terrible shots. Terrible shooting. I thought, he, <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was putting it to it, and the lion fell out that far. I just thought the lion was dead laying there. I didn't realize it run off down into the little creek below there. I got lucky, I guess, on that elk and bear pinwheel on him. Did not so much on the cat. You know what it was? It was your bow was warming up. So you missed, but... By the fourth shot, your bow was warming up. Yeah, where it was I heated the barrel up on that bow that yeah. grouped yeah. them in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, So now we have no arrows. This cat's <laughs> on the ground. We don't know what's going on. We can't turn any dogs loose. I have a strict rule. If uh, one shot with a bow, we're not going to turn any dogs loose. And even though it's me, I'm still following under them same rules. We track the lion a little bit. We're finding a good bit of blood. Uh, we're finding pockets of guts. And it's underneath a blowdown. We work in, and uh, I finished it off with a handgun, and, dude, it was freaking epic. Turn Brummy loose, she comes down there and gets to chew on another mountain lion. And we are ecstatic. This cat has no ears, hardly. They're froze off. Got great big feet for a female. Uh, Giant head. I'm looking at the size of this cat's head. It's not very long, cat, but its ears are froze off, and it makes its head appear so much bigger. We decide that we're not going to skin this cat and quarter it in the woods. It's all guides in there. We're just going to suffer and get this thing out. They're all telling me they'll help me pack it out, and I'm like, no, dude, death before honor. That's right. <laughs> we start up out of there. I about died. <laughs> I was struggling. That's the baddest canyon I've ever been in for all the bigger it is. That thing is rugged. Can't man. cheat the mountain. Nope, pilgrim. can't cheat the mountain, pilgrim. Come down through, and we hit the last switchbacks, and we can see the truck headlights down in the canyon. We start war hooping back and <gasps> forth, and we're all spread out. Couldn't ask for any more. I have my oldest dog and my youngest dog at the tree. They're pro athletes. They are. They're the pros at this. We're near nothing but the uber drivers for the dogs really yeah <laughs> it's like very very stressful when you turn one of these hounds loose you know that it could possibly be the last time that you see it and that could change people's opinion on hound hunting but i wish that you could take the anti-hunters i could just throw them in the truck with me and shut their mouth so they couldn't argue and they could just see this happen without arguing any points and at the end of the day if they still had the same opinion I might join their side because there's no way possible that after you see these hounds work that you could 
you could think that it was abuse or anything like that. It's a, it's a type of hunting where we can catch the animal. It's done. It's subdued. If we would like to harvest that animal, we 100% can, but a lot of times we just take pictures and we tree and free. And that lion's loose to go and run again, and we can have fun another day. If you actually go and you see how much these dogs love to run lions and bears and hunt, they love it as much as we do, and that's what they're born and bred to do. To not give them the opportunity to do what they were born to do, would you're just not doing the dog any justice in life. <laughs> Honestly, they, they are obsessed with their jobs, and they do it to the fullest of their ability. All the cats that we killed were in our areas that we hunt pretty hard mm -hmm. for mule deer and elk. We did some justice on our deer herds. Everybody likes to justify that they're mountain lion hunting because they're helping out the ungulates, but I'm here to tell you that I mountain lion hunt for the dogs because it's, it's such a fun way to hunt. We, uh, we ended up taking over a third of the quota with our hounds. Um, that's Logan and my dad's and I hounds together. Um, I, I just want to say very impressed with our hounds, with our guides, with our clients. It was like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, Jim, what do you have to say? I love you, man. Got a few tears coming out of my dad here. That's pretty awesome. Uh, this is his first time on a podcast, too. Houndsmen are emotional. They, they, we love our sport. It's sad to say that houndsmen are very prideful type of people, and we, uh, we don't accept new people into our sport very well, and it's something that we got to change as a whole, and we're hoping from us young guys running hounds and getting into it, we need more houndsmen in it but we don't need houndsmen that are bad for it. Uh, it's easily portrayed as something awful on Facebook and Instagram. And if it's led for open interpretation, it can be, it can be taken the wrong way. We're gonna be telling some more stories. We're gonna break down, we're gonna do some podcasts with some hound guys. This whole next month or so is just gonna be hound podcasts. We're gonna break down ethics of it. We're gonna interview some guys, uh, some old school houndsmen from back where I grew up, godfathers of the hunting. Um, so if you like or dislike hound hunting, then tune in. Comment the heck out of it. We don't care if you're for it or against it. And we appreciate all of the followers and listeners we have. Stay tuned, man. Thank you everybody for listening. This is us, out.